It is Monday, January 31st, in case you forgot what day it is. One of the benefits to no longer being on Twitter, and there are many, but one of the benefits is that when something happens, something newsworthy, you really have no idea how badly it's been beaten into the ground. Like you get the feeling, oh, they're probably talking about this a lot on Twitter, but you don't know for sure. So I always assume that in a situation like that, that I don't probably have a very original take, that anything I would want to say has already been said. And so I kind of steer clear of it. But since I'm not on Twitter anymore, I don't know for sure. So I'm going to talk about the, the uh, Neil Young, Joe Rogan thing, which I'm sure has already been talked to death on there already, but, but whatever. And Joe Rogan has a podcast. Joe Rogan is a, I guess he's a stand-up comedian. I knew of him from the great sitcom from the 90s called News Radio. My brother-in-law actually was a writer or the head writer, I think, on that show. He's now with The Simpsons. And he had been, I think, with Saturday Night Live as well. Uh, he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. Didn't know him. Just really liked the show. And it holds up. And Joe Rogan was great on it. Anyway, he started a podcast. I guess it got popular. Spotify paid him a boatload of money. God love him. Uh, to go exclusive with them. And one of the first things that happened, which is kind of interesting, is some of the employees there, some of the younger employees, were really upset because, uh, you know, Joe Rogan is a terrible person because he has opinions about things that they care about. And you know what it is. It's, it's, they throw out all these words and accusations that, to my mind, just seem to be uh, their way of saying, look, the, 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 these opinions of his are too complex and nuanced to bother to engage with. I just, I don't like them. They make me feel icky. So fire him. And Spotify said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to fire him. We're not going to send him packing. I don't think he works for them, but they invested a lot of money into him. It was fairly naive to think they were just going to let him go. So Neil Young went to Spotify, or rather, I guess, made a public statement and said, uh, Joe Rogan spreads misinformation on COVID. Which is, I mean, there, he didn't give any particulars. He just said, he just made that assertion. He spreads mis misinformation on COVID. You can, and it's dangerous to people. And he said, you can have Joe Rogan or you can have Neil Young. You can't have both. So you want to keep Joe Rogan, take my music down, which is funny. You know, I, I guess Neil Young owns his masters, which is really surprising for an artist from his era. Uh, I don't know how he pulled that off, but honestly, congratulations. I'm not a fan, but any artist that, that can manage to own their own masters is, is in a real good position. So congratulations to him. Um, so he went and did that, which was kind of silly and, and everything. But what bothered me about it was that he was calling on other people to do the same. And so Joni Mitchell said, okay, I'm going to pull my music in. Niels Lofgren, who uh, uh, played with Neil Young at one point, and I think plays with, or used to play with Springsteen as well, 
Um, and, but Neil Young was calling on other musicians to pull their stuff from Spotify. Not, as you would think, because Spotify pays a pittance and spends an ungodly sum on lobbyists to convince Congress to pay us even less. More on that in a minute. Uh, not because of that, but because Neil Young is mad about something and wants us all to like go on his crusade. He's apparently unaware that many of us can't work anymore in terms of going out and performing because of the pandemic and that money's a little tight and that even when it wasn't, most working musicians are not in a position to just pull their stuff from streaming services to make a political point. We have mouths to feed, Neil Young. We're not all rich rock stars. And God love you for being a rich rock star. I don't begrudge you a dime, but, but you are living in a fantasy world, my friend. Most working musicians are not in your position. And how arrogant to think they are. I know I'm talking like Neil Young is listening to me, and he's not, but... If you want, you can listen to this podcast. You can, you know, be at home or in your car. You pretend you're Neil Young. You know, like, I'll say something like that, and you can respond with a Neil Young lyric, if you know any. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't. Censorship in 2022 is deplatforming. When I was a teenager, it was a government you wanted to watch out for. It was things like the Mies Report and the PMRC. Now, it's the tech companies. And government is involved to some extent, but only to the extent that they're encouraging the tech companies to censor, as the Biden administration is right now. Censor, censor, censor. People are, people are saying things they shouldn't say. It's dangerous. It's always dangerous, isn't it? I mean, that is the heart of censorship. When has anybody in the history of the world ever tried to censor anything by saying, well, it's not really that big a deal. I just don't like it. No, it's always dangerous. It's always really important that you stop people from saying what they, what they want to say. And what's interesting about this thing with Joe Rogan is that all the outlets that reported it that I could find, Washington Post, AP, all these, not one of them apparently made the slightest attempt to look into what this alleged misinformation was. So not a single news report that I could find, and I searched, not a single one of them said, here's what Joe Rogan has said that's gotten Neil Young so upset. Like, nobody went to Neil Young and said, what are you talking about, Neil? Can you be more specific? Because news organizations in our country aren't actually news organizations anymore. They don't actually do investigative reporting. They don't actually do basic reporting, which was all that was required in this case. It's like Neil Young issued a press release and they passed it on. So we have no idea. We know Joe Rogan did something really, really bad. We just, we have no idea what it is, but we need to take the word of Neil Young. Which is interesting. Let me tell you why. Neil Young is upset that Joe Rogan is apparently peddling misinformation about COVID. So we would think, what's misinformation? Incorrect information, scientifically invalid information, kooky stuff, right? 
Neil Young's mad about it. Take my music off. Thing is, when you go down the road of censorship, irony is always just behind, following along, tagging along, happily, skipping. Censorship is striding down the road, angry, arms swinging. But behind them, there comes irony. Hi, I'm your buddy. And you just can't get rid of him. He won't go away. Irony. Here's some irony for you. According to the Daily Beast, apparently Neil Young is very anti-GMO, genetically modified organisms. Over and over and over again. And I know a little bit about this because I read some of the uh, science magazines that are geared towards the general public rather than bespectacled um, scientists with lots of initials behind their names. And one of the things I'll tell you about those magazines is that in the past three years or so, they've become increasingly woke. So they're, they're not remotely right-wing. And they all agree, and pretty much everybody agrees, there is no reason to fear GMOs. There is no scientific evidence that they're dangerous. But Neil Young thinks they're really dangerous and really bad and really evil and that the biggest company involved in, uh, in manufacturing uh, and selling, uh, creating products that are grown, I guess, crops that are grown using GMOs, is Monsanto. And, and uh, Neil Young hates Monsanto. He did a whole record about it, a record that presumably up until last week was on Spotify. He, he did a documentary about it. I mean, this isn't just Neil's opinion. He, he's like an activist. He's really, really anti-GMO. He's convinced it's dangerous, and he wants you to know about it. In other words, Neil Young is using his platform to spread misinformation. <laughs> Kooky, lunatic misinformation that has the potential to destroy lives. Because GMOs can theoretically put an end to world hunger. GMOs can put food in the bellies of people in the poorest parts of the world. But Neil Young doesn't want him to have that food because it's dangerous. According to Neil Young, I don't, maybe he read it on the internet. I don't know why he thinks that. There's no evidence to support it. All the evidence points against it. Even Stephen Colbert, who's like, going to invite any lunatic on his show to, to spout any lunatic left-wing talking point. Even he said, Neil, the studies say you're wrong on this. Ah, rah, rah. The studies were probably funded by Monsanto. Rah, 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 rah. I swear, this guy, I think he thinks Monsanto is like an evil villain from a Schwarzenegger movie from the 80s. Monsanto, I'll be back. So this is the guy who's running around acting like a hysterical ninny because he claims somebody's peddling scientifically inaccurate information. Misinformation. Like I said, irony's never far behind. Of course, the real problem with Spotify is that Spotify doesn't want to pay artists what the government says they have to. And if you're wondering, what does the government have to do with it? It's, it's a long story. It's very complicated. 
I will do my best to explain it to you as quickly as possible in the remaining eight minutes we have. Uh, but keep in mind before I even start that all this is kept deliberately opaque. It is very difficult to understand and by design, because if we understand what's going on, we'll be outraged. But if it's so confusing and there are so many little aspects to it and so many different little things going on, then it's a lot harder to get a handle on it. And it's a lot harder to go uh, to understand it. And all I would say is that if you do understand it, even to some degree, which is probably the best I can say about my understanding of the situation, uh, you will indeed be outraged because it's outrageous. So once upon a time, radio stations went to Congress and said, look, we got to get licenses for all these songs to play these songs on the radio. And it's crazy. We can't stay in business doing this because we're negotiating one rate for Elvis and another rate for Connie Francis and another one for Guy Lombardo or Frank Sinatra or whoever. So we want you to get involved and we want you to set a rate and there will be one rate we pay to everybody. And by the way, just the songwriters and the publishers. We don't want to play the people who performed on the songs. So I don't know if you know this, but in virtually every other country in the world, if you, if you performed on a song, you get a royalty which is separate from the publishing and songwriting royalty, but not in America. That's beginning to change with, um, with some things. So for instance, if you get played on... YouTube, you're not going to get paid for the performance. If you get played on Sirius XM, you will. If you get played on you know, Amazon streaming, you won't. If you get played on Pandora, you will. So, And I don't understand it, and I'm not going to pretend to. But uh, for the most part, you don't, and certainly not on, on uh, terrestrial radio. So it was a pretty sweet deal for them. Another thing that happened in the music industry was Congress set a rate for what record labels had to pay songwriters and publishers outside of the artist royalty, whatever the artist royalty was that they negotiated. And they set that rate, and that rate ever since then has gone up a little bit every few years. The congressional board meets, they adjust the rate. And it was called a mechanical royalty, I imagine, initially, because it had to do with each copy of a record that was physically pressed. For each copy of that, you have to pay a mechanical royalty for each song on it. But the industry standard for years, and I imagine is still the case, at least with physical, God knows what it is with digital. Um, I'm not with a record label. I'm my own record label now, so I have no idea. But the industry standard was um, if you went and you, and you signed with a major label, or even if you signed with one of the bigger independent labels, your mechanical deal was 70% of the current statutory rate on no more than 10 songs. So you locked into that rate for perpetuity. So if 50 years later the rate had gone way up, it doesn't matter. You're still getting paid on the 50-year-old rate. 
there are artists who have negotiated, you know, they want that rate to go up as Congress changes the rate. I mean, everything's negotiable, but that was the standard rate. That was the standard deal. When streaming came along, again, Congress got involved because, again, the Spotify's of the world said, boo-hoo, we're going to go out of business if we have to pay these people what they actually want to get paid. Step in. So they did. And most recently, and I don't remember off the top of my head if it was part of the MMA or not, but the Music Modernization Act, which was passed a couple years ago, was a big victory for artists and particularly songwriters. And there, the, the streaming royalty was, if it was part of that package, it wasn't the main thing. Um, but there were a lot of different parts to it. But one of the things was, when that was passed, the streaming rates went up. And Spotify and Amazon and Google have been fighting it tooth and nail ever since. So they spend an ungodly sum of money on lobbyists to convince Congress to pay artists less, or particularly to pay songwriters and, and their publishers less. Uh, real quick, what do I mean by songwriters and publishers? It's very common, I don't know if it still is, but it was very common, again, for bigger artists, major label artists, bigger independent artists, to um, either sell their publishing to a publishing company or to, in some cases, even just sign it over to the record label. And so when a song is played on the radio, if I'm, you know, Joe Blow, and my song, uh, Joe Blow Ought to Know, gets played on the radio, and I am affiliated with one of the uh, two biggest uh, publishing societies in America, which is either ASCAP or BMI, um, then that information is reported to ASCAP and BMI, and I am paid. But the money is split, essentially. Not exactly. I think the publisher actually gets a little bit more. But the... Uh, but just for the sake of argument. So if it generates 50 cents, songwriter gets 25 cents, publisher gets 25 cents. So a lot of times the way these deals were done was a publisher would go and say, um, you know, we want the rights to your catalog and we'll pay, you know, we'll give you an advance of whatever, $300,000 or $30,000, depending on who you were. If it was me, they probably would have offered a buck and a half. But, uh, in return, what they got was they got that royalty. And they also got control of the catalog. So you still had your artist side, and you would still get paid as a songwriter. But you were no longer your own publisher. You didn't own your publishing. And so part of what happens when a situation like that occurs is then they retain things like licensing rights. So you don't have any say over whether, you know, a song is used in a commercial or a film or whatever, and obviously the publisher wants to make their investment back and they want to make a profit, so they're not going to be discerning. If you don't want to be used in a commercial for feminine hygiene products, your publisher, uh, your publishing company probably doesn't care. So, and I mention that because that is an actual situation that came up, uh, not with me, but with a, a different client who shall remain nameless of 
um, of my uh, publishing administrator, where uh, that's a case where the artist owns their publishing, but the administrator uh, does uh, licensing. And they talked to him and said, here's this offer, and they decided, yeah, that's maybe not a thing to go with. Maybe don't want that association. Anyway, point is, songwriters and publishers don't want the government involved. We would much rather just negotiate directly with these companies. Of course, Spotify can't have, have that because if we negotiated with them directly, it would not be what they claim it would be, which is, oh, we got to negotiate with all these different people. There would be one, maybe two governing bodies. You would become a member in one of these governing bodies and they would negotiate on your behalf. It's essentially, it's almost like unionization. And they're scared to death of that. And rightfully so, they'd be out of business because we would demand a reasonable royalty rate. YouTube would be gone. Spotify would be gone. Amazon Music would be, they'd all be gone. But the reason I use Apple Music and not Spotify is because Apple Music, when these last uh, changes happened in the royalty rates, they were the ones who said, we're not going to fight this anymore. We're just going to pay it, and we're not going to send our lobbyists out to Washington to fight to, pay, to get it overturned and to pay a lower royalty rate. So they did the right thing. Um, and by the way, they're still making tons of money. They're still making tons of money. But I think that's the thing that bothered me most about the Neil Young thing. Like this, this, this call that he put out to musicians to just pull their stuff as though we're all a bunch of rich rock stars who can afford to do that. We can't. We're already getting screwed by Spotify. And your issue is like they've got some dude on a podcast who says something that's anti-science in a different way than you're anti-science. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, Neil Young. Hard to back you up on that, buddy. Anyway, as always, I have enjoyed my time with you. I hope you have enjoyed your time with me. Again, probably not much in the way of original opinions on this particular episode, but I hope I was entertaining. And if not, there's always next week. And until next week, please remember, I love you all very much. So long. <laughs>